Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're in a series here lately called Behold Your God from the Gospel of John. You've joined us in the fifth episode of that new series. The title of our episode today is In the House of Mercy. We're with Jesus Christ here in John chapter 5, and we're going to actually see Jesus in the house of mercy. Now, if you followed us so far in the episodes, you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is presented in the Gospel of John as the Son of God, as God Himself. And for those who are confused and perhaps have never even read the words of Jesus, actually, who claim that Jesus never claimed to be God, well, they're going to get an education today right from the Lord Jesus himself. So in the Gospel of John, we remember last week Jesus led the woman at the well in Samaria to faith in him. Her whole town came to faith in him, and some time has passed because he was on his way to Galilee, so he's gone there, but some time has gone by, and now we see him again in the city of Jerusalem, in the area where the temple is, or near that, very near that, and we're going to see an episode here where Christ presents himself very clearly to the temple leadership, the religious leaders of the Jewish people, as God himself. And we're going to see what happens. But we see Jesus here today in the house of mercy. Let's go to John chapter 5. Let's start in the first verse. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, 
It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So we see Jesus in the house of mercy. There's so much packed into these first 10 verses. One thing I want to point out for those that say that they do not need to fellowship with the people of God, for example, I've heard people say over the years, well, I can worship God just as well on the lake or the golf course as those Christians that go to church. I don't have to go to church to worship God. Well, here's one for you. Jesus is God. (laughs) And Jesus not only went to synagogue as a habit, but he went up to the temple in Jerusalem. He certainly didn't have to, but he set the proper example for all of us. And I'm just going to leave it alone right there. Verse 2. Now, this verse has created a lot of controversy over the years. Before the 19th century, Bible scholars as well as critics of the Bible said, now, this must be, John must be mistaken here because we don't know anything about a place like this in Jerusalem. So it must be some type of metaphor or symbol or John is just in error. Well, you know, I like archaeology. Archaeology is the Bible's best friend because archaeologists in the 19th century, I believe the archaeologist's name was Conrad Schick, discovered this very place that had a pool and it had five porches or colonnades under which people could gather right exactly where John said it would be found. When people criticize the Bible and say that there's an error, especially relating to places and names and that type of thing, just wait a little while and archaeology will prove it true. We now know exactly where this pool is. And the name of the pool here is given as Bethesda. And it literally means the house of mercy, the house of grace. And so we see Jesus in the house of mercy. Many people misrepresent and misunderstand God and actually the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is God. They misunderstand him as being an angry God who's out to get them. And yet we see Jesus here in the house of mercy. And he's going to perform a very merciful miracle. Now in verse 3, we notice that there wasn't just this one man there, but there were a lot of people there who could have been and should have been and would have been candidates for this miracle from the Lord. I don't want to go too far out of bounds here, but I'm wondering if all of these people had exercised trust in Christ, if all of them would have been healed. But for whatever reason, they didn't seem to respond, even when the miracle occurred. Only this one man seemed to be the focus of the Lord in this moment, and even after they saw him healed, They don't seem to ask for healing. Only he is healed. 
Now, they believed, and I, I'm not saying it's not true. I mean, this may have been, what they believe may have been exactly what happened. That an angel came down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. These people believed this, and they had seen people healed year after year for at least the 38 years that this man had been there. Say, well, Brother Ed, is that real? Did God do that? Hey, God can do anything. God is merciful. Amen? But they, they were believing and waiting on healing, and yet the healer was right there in their midst. But only this one man seemed to interact with Jesus. Because we see in verse 5, and a certain man was there. Now, by the way, I believe John knew who this was. Or if John did not know him personally, others did. But maybe he was not named because he was still alive at the writing of this gospel. Or maybe his family who lived after him was still alive. And maybe it was not, uh, not a good idea to be named by name in this gospel written by a political prisoner on the Isle of Patmos a prisoner of the empire of Rome and that was John the apostle who wrote this book so maybe he didn't name him deliberately but anyway he just calls him a certain man and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years now I've heard I think I've heard over the years people say this guy is 38 years old I think he was older than that, and you'll see why I say that a little later. But actually, let me explain some of that right now. Christ is going to tell him in a few minutes, "Go, basically go and sin no more, or something worse is going to happen to you. Here's what I think, and this is just my guess, all right? I'm thinking, well, he probably wasn't a child when he got out of bounds in terms of sin, and maybe not even a teenager, but maybe as a a young man is in his 20s. He maybe had a lifestyle that brought this, um, this infirmity on him. Now, that doesn't mean everyone is sick because of their sin, but sometimes people are because of their sin. And the Bible teaches that, uh, that, that it's not always the case, but it is sometimes the case. And this was exactly such a case. So Jesus sees him there. Jesus, of course, created him. He knows all about him. He knows the whole story. So maybe the guy, I'm just guessing, was in his 20s when this dread disease came upon him. And for 38 long years after that, he had lived with this consequence of his sin. Wow, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? But Jesus is merciful. Verse 6, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? What a, what a question. You know, I've met people, and so have you. You might be one of these who like being sick who like being in trouble, 
who like being in adversity. And if you were to be freed or healed or your situation made better, you just wouldn't know what to do with yourself because it's become your identity. There are people like that. Maybe they don't really want to be better because they get get what they want because of their situation. There's certainly some people like that. Maybe not most people, but it occurs. So Jesus wants to clarify. Now, Jesus knows the answer to that. When, when God asks a question, it's not to get information. It's to make a point. So Jesus asks him to clarify in his own mind, not Jesus's, what he really wanted in life. Wilt thou be made whole? Sort of like, is that what you really want? And the, I, say, I say that he answered yes, but he did it in a, a different way. The imminent man answered him, sir. Sort of like, well, of course. <laughs> he answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another step it down before me. So, that was a yes. Verse 8. Now this is a Bible miracle. Jesus doesn't say any words over him. He doesn't even pray. He doesn't make any motions. There's no thunder and lightning. There's nothing at all in the supernatural or out of the natural or above the natural order here except one thing. Jesus the God of mercy and grace is in the house of mercy and he tells him, Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. It's a command. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Wow. Wow. What, what a miracle. What a miracle. The man's condition was pretty much hopeless. The question clarified what he wanted, really. And I believe he exercised the faith that he had to exercise. Jesus honored that. And he got up. He rolled up his bed that he'd been lying on for 38 years. And he started walking. And immediately the man was made whole. I'm suspicious, by the way, of miracles that, <laughs> you know, like you'll, you'll see, you'll hear about miracles where God, God did a miracle on him and it takes the guy, you know, 18 weeks to get better. Usually when Jesus performs a miracle, it's instant. The only time I can think of that being different is when he healed one of the men who was blind and at first he didn't see clearly and Jesus touched him again and he saw very clearly. But I believe the Lord had a reason for doing it that way. But normally when Jesus heals it's instant as it was here. There was only one problem. This was a Sabbath day and Jesus was surrounded by religious types who had forgotten the whole purpose of the Sabbath, that it was made for man, 
not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made to give us rest and that we reflect upon and worship the Lord. It's for our good. And yet the religious leaders around Jesus had turned it into something that was a burden on people and they were to serve the Sabbath. This is completely reversed. Now, I want you to know something. It wasn't like Jesus said, uh-oh, I should remember this is a Sabbath. Jesus picked this day to do this, and he picked the location to do it. Jesus, in a sense, was picking a fight with these religious leaders because he had a message for them. So we see the miracle, but now we're going to see the message behind that miracle. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured. Now, what time out. If I'm pretty sure they knew who this guy was, or certainly other people would have told him, this is amazing. He's been here almost four decades, and Jesus healed him instantly. I think they knew at least that much and probably knew who he was. But instead of focusing on the fact that Christ had healed this man, undeniably had healed this man, everybody saw it, everybody knew it, they, they went right past that because they weren't interested. They didn't care about this guy. They didn't want to really know who Jesus really was. He was just upsetting their gig. Has God ever done that in your life? He's done it in mine. It's a good thing to have our gig upset by God because he has a message for us. Now, they completely blew right past that, zero to 60 and three seconds flat. And their only thing they can say is, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Wow. Talk about blindness. So that's all, all they've got is criticism and uh, confrontation. And I'm sure you've met people just like that. So what is the message here behind the miracle? Verse 11 in John 5, He answered them, He that made me whole, let's see, I did this last week too, <laughs> I got, I'm back on the page. He that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Now, you know, for rational people, that should have been like, oh, okay. Wow, who is this that healed you? Well, they didn't, they didn't want to know that part of it. They only wanted to know who he was so they could confront him. Then they asked him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist or, or knew, he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. So Jesus blended back into the crowd and the man who was healed didn't see him anymore and he, he didn't know who he was particularly anyway. Verse 14, now here's the first message in that miracle. This is going to rock the world for a few of you, but it'll be good. Trust me. 
afterward, verse 14, afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple. I like that. This guy gets healed in the house of mercy, the Bethesda where the five porches were. He gets healed there, and where do we find him next? In the temple. I believe he went to worship and thank Jehovah. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now this is where some of your worlds are being rocked right here. Now listen, if I, I can't judge people like that. I mean, I, I can't and I shouldn't. Neither should you. You can't assume that someone is sick or in a bad situation because of their sin. They might be, but it's really not your place to figure all that out and tell them. Now, notice here, though, that Jesus says, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. So we're not told what it was, but this guy knew. And he got the point because Jesus said, Lest a worse thing come unto thee. You might ask me, Well, Pastor Ed, what could be worse? Uh, death? Going to hell because of your sin? That's worse than being sick, right? So when God heals you, when God gets you out of your adverse situation, your unpleasant circumstances, you should thank Him. And if there's something that you were or that you were doing that put you in that, don't go back to that because a worse thing can come to you. So Jesus gives a warning to the man. And may that be a warning if needed to any listener today. But there's also another message in this miracle. So let's go to verse 15. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now, I just got to say right here, even though we're only in the fifth chapter of John, the evidence is mounting. The facts and the truth are piling up right in front of them that this Jesus must be God. But they ignored it. Verse 16, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. Let me put that in down-home terms. They thought, we're going to kill him. Why, Pastor Ed? Well, the verse tells us at the end. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They weren't glorifying God. They weren't praising Jesus because of the miracle. They were, going, they were persecuting Jesus, and they sought to murder him because he had dared to heal this man on the Sabbath day. This is when your religion has gone rogue. 
This is when you've passed from the light and joy of relationship with God and you've gone over to the dark side. This is bad. You might be listening today and you might be that person, that guy, that gal at your church or your office or in your family that instead of seeing how God works in the lives of imperfect, sinful people who need Him and helps them, instead of seeing that and rejoicing with them at what God does for them, not because they deserve it, but because He's merciful, instead of seeing that and seeing that God is working on them and with them, you are judging them. This is a bad thing. And if you're feeling a little convicted right now, you should repent before God and ask that you be taken back to the, the realm of light and uh, that your religion, as it were, be the, the right kind of Christian faith, that you can rejoice with sinners. I mean, all of us are sinners, right? Now, who are we to be bringing condemnation down on others that God is working on and working with? Now, Jesus is in the crosshairs of these religious leaders. This is when you know your religion is out of bounds, when it leads you to want to kill those with whom you disagree. But it didn't bother these people now, by the way, lest ye fear that I'm being anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, Jesus was born into the Jewish race. Jesus is Jewish. So this, they were seeking to persecute him. So this is not anti-Jewish. This is anti-people who are anti-Jesus. And they need to open their eyes, these religious leaders who were leading hundreds of thousands, if not millions, astray in rejecting Jesus as Messiah and Christ. But again, who am I even to judge them because God saves them when they turn to faith in Him? Do you understand that? Verse 17, But Jesus answered them, My Father, and He's talking about God, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Right there, that just drove a stake in the heart of the people who are ignorant of the Bible, and they say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, they sure heard him do it, and they were ready to kill him for it. So uh, people that say that, they're wrong. Because even the Jewish religious leaders understood that's what he was saying. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what, though it, what things soever he doeth, 
These also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Now, by the way, in the Gospel of John, in just a few chapters, a few short months or years, I'm a little, might be about a year maybe, from this time, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead in front of a crowd. And he had been dead four days. So everybody is going to see this. But even that did not turn these religious leaders to faith in Christ. All right, verse 22. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man." Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge." And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is one, there is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true." Ye sent unto John, now he's talking here about John the Baptist. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. 
Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words. Let me reread that. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Well, the message here from the miracle, the meaning of that miracle is Jesus is God. If the Jewish religious leaders truly believed what Moses wrote, they should have been eagerly looking for God to come, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one. And yet, he was standing a few feet away from them, right in front of them, and they not only missed him, but they even rejected him, that he cannot be God. This is not God, and we're going to kill him. Friends, that is the ultimate in blindness, to have God right in front of you performing astounding spiritual godly miracles like telling this man to get up, take up his bed and walk, and completely missing it, completely rejecting God's message, rejecting the Savior, and indeed seeking to persecute and murder Jesus. So we see the message to the healed man, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And we see the message to these hostile men that they needed to repent and believe in Jesus. Now that may be where some of you listening right now are yourself. For all I know, there may be somebody listening in Antarctica. It could happen through technology. There may be somebody listening in Cairo, Egypt right now, or in Moscow, or Atlanta, Georgia, or right here where I broadcast from in Memphis, Tennessee. But you're hearing all of this and you're realizing that the mercy of God has been shown to you for your entire life.
the goodness of God has been seeking to lead you to repentance and yet you have resisted, rejected, denied Jesus, refused to repent of sin and turn your life over him. But you know what? You're at the end of that road today because today God brought you to this podcast to hear these words of Jesus Christ that I've read that you may have never heard before in your life, but you heard what Jesus said and you are turning from doubt to faith. You are turning from sin to righteousness. You are trusting Jesus to take you from death to life. You are believing right now on the Lord Jesus Christ as God, as your Savior and your Lord. You are inviting Him right now to come into your heart and life to be your Savior and Lord. You are believing on Him that He died on that cross to pay the price, the penalty, the debt that you owed as a sinner who commits sins. He took the full fury of the wrath of God that you would not have to. And you are trusting Him now, believing on Him, and you are passing from death to life. You are becoming a son, a daughter of God by faith in Jesus. You are being right now born again, born from above, born a second time, a spiritual birth that comes after your physical birth. You are becoming a Christian today. Yes, Pastor Ed, I agree with you. That's what some of you are saying right now. The Bible says, but to as many as believed in him, believe in his name, gave he the right to become the sons of God. John 1.12, I misquoted it badly, but you can look it up, John 1.12. But to as many as received him, gave he the right to become the children of God. I think that's correct. I may have messed that up too. I'm just human, amen? But we're told that in the Bible, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. Trust Jesus today. If you need help with that, you can call a toll-free number, 1-888-537-8720. One more time, one 888 537-8720. To help you remember, it's 888-JESUS-20. That's J-E-S-U-S-2-0. 888-J-E-S-U-S-2-0. Call that number. Both of those are the same number. Call that number and you can receive help trusting Christ and beginning your new Christian life 
and beginning to grow now as a new believer in Jesus. For many of you who are listening, you've already trusted Christ long ago, but you are committing yourself afresh to witness to Jesus Christ as the only hope for mankind. As we look around at the smoking wreckage and ruin of human government, we know that our help is not coming from Washington, D.C. or wherever your nation's capital is. Government has no answers. Government is not God. And you are finding a renewed faith and energy to rely completely on the Lord Jesus Christ to be a witness through you by His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that through you others might hear of Jesus as well. I thank you so much for listening today to our podcast. I kind of feel like it's one of the worst ones I've ever done. But every time I come, I simply ask God to speak to me first and through me. And by faith, I'm trusting that he will take this podcast and many will be saved and many believers will be strengthened in their walk with Christ. Please tell others about the podcast. Find creative ways to put it up on your Facebook page, on Instagram. Send out an email to your friends. Text somebody about it. Help people to listen to this and have a hand in their salvation and their discipleship. The way they can find it most directly is www.dredhill.podbean.com. That's D R E D H I L L dot podbean.com. There's no period after the DR. That is the home of this week in the Word. If we have not been banned, we might still be on iTunes and Google Play and maybe other places as well. But the best way is just www.dredhill.podbean.com. When this podcast is over, take some time to share it through this app with your friends and families, with your coworkers, neighbors, maybe fellow church members, and help them grow in their knowledge of the Word of God and their walk with Christ. Well, we need to get out of here. We've been here a while already today, about 43 minutes. Thank you for your time. It's an honor and privilege to teach the Word of God to you. Thank you so much. May God richly bless you this week is my prayer.